How can benefits advisors use Medicaid to drive employee satisfaction, help their clients save money, and comply with ACA? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode is sponsored by Care One Advocates. Navigating healthcare is complex. Care One Advocates provides personalized healthcare support to employers and their employees in an on-demand, 24-7, 365 environment. To learn more about how Care One creates white-labeled broker solutions that help you build your brand, go to our website at shiftshapersonline.com. We're pleased to welcome Ben Geierhan to this episode of the Shift Shapers podcast. Ben is the CEO and founder of Benestream, and it may be as close to a quintessential Shift Shaper story as we've ever heard. Ben, welcome, and thanks for spending time with our audience today. Thanks so much for having me. Before we get into the meat of the matter, could you talk a little bit about your background and kind of where you came from? Sure. You know, I grew up in a very small town in Maine. Rural Maine is, a, is an interesting and wonderful place to grow up. Uh, you learn a lot about how working people live their lives and how rural America lives. I moved from rural America to the city and became a lawyer, worked in large Wall Street firms, but didn't find that, frankly, very satisfying. And became an entrepreneur, worked on campaigns, worked in policy, and finally found my space sort of in the healthcare arena. It's an interesting background because all of the things that you've just told us, as we talk more about your story, I think inform kind of where you are today and the work that you're doing. That said, what was the shift? How did it occur to you and how did it start to take shape? So I had spent years looking at the way in which working people get public benefits. Now, I want to be clear about what I'm talking about here. Working people, when I say working people, I mean people who have 40-hour-a-week jobs, and the, the working people who are entitled to public benefits are largely working people with families. Um, and so when you ask yourself, why don't, they, why don't these folks who make $25,000 a year get $3,500 in food stamps? That's $300 more a week. Why aren't they taking those benefits? Why don't these folks who have children who need medical attention take free health care? And the answer, there are many answers, but one of the big answers is if I work 40 hours a week to support my family and it's an hourly wage job, I don't have a lot of time off. I don't have a lot of ways to access those benefits, and those benefits are complicated to get to. And so I spent a lot of time thinking about and working with some clients on this, on the technology needed to make that process faster and better. Some years after I did that research, I became an Affordable Care Act expert, and I sort of backed my way into that. I had been doing some advocacy for a large national business organization. And I had written some papers with – I wrote a paper with a guy named Jonathan Gruber, who's a MIT economist and a very big name in the sort of healthcare space. And what the two of those things resulted in is when the Affordable Care Act passed, I was an expert. I was someone you could grab to put on a panel. Well, guess what? I didn't really know everything there was about the Affordable Care Act. I just had the right credentials, so I was asked to do this. But then I had to learn everything that was in the act. And what I realized was that there was an enormous opportunity, that the one, the thing that the ACA was doing was to create an inf infrastructure that would make it easy for working people to connect to their benefits. And ease was the biggest obstacle, right? Folks could reach their Medicaid by doing an hour worth of work 
on their computer at home, on their computer at work, wherever. But that process would be taken from a sort of eight or nine hour process to really an hour. And that to me seemed like a big opportunity. And so I began to think about, was there a way to really streamline this process? So with that in mind, what were the steps that brought you to the work that Benestream does today? And, and more specifically, what does Benestream do for employers? So what what we did is we were looking to make a big shift, right? A big shift in the way in which people thought about public benefits and where those benefits were delivered, right? Um, and so we went to the Ford Foundation and the Ford Foundation said, yeah, we believe this vision. We believe that there is an opportunity to build a business, frankly, around delivering public benefits. They gave us a substantial grant and we went and researched it. And what we discovered was the Affordable Care Act created the opportunity for this enormous shift, right? And the shift here is bringing public benefits out of the world of bureaucracy, out of the world of community-based organizations, and bringing them into the workplace, right? So that people who work 40 hours a week trying to take care of their families can get a benefit from their employer that actually matters a lot to them because it is the gift of, of the time to do this and a setting in which they can do it where, where it's made easier. The trick to this and another important shift to think about is we had to figure out a way to pay for this and we had to make it a business, right? So what we had to do was align working low-income Americans, um, align their interests with those of their employers. That moment is this. Large companies have to offer health insurance to their uh, employees. They must offer. An employee who has Medicaid and knows that they have Medicaid is nine times out of ten likely to say, I don't want an employer-sponsored plan. Why? Because at that level of, of the income strata, quite often the plans that are offered to low-income workers are have a deductible, right? They don't cover the family, and they have co-pays and premium co-pays. So what that means is that an employer, I mean, I'm sorry, an employee will end up paying three, four, five thousand dollars for health insurance. And that's just way too much. On the other hand, they can just keep their Medicaid and pay nothing. And so what we did was to, to align those interests. If an employee has Medicaid and the employer knows that, they can have a discussion about what's the appropriate thing for this worker to do. Should the worker keep Medicaid and not have employer-sponsored insurance? If they make that decision, the employer saves about you know between two and $8,000, depending on how much they pay for this insurance. The employee gets robust insurance. Covers their kids, covers their family, costs them nothing or costs them very little. And we also include in this package food stamps, so it's about $3,500 a year. And so everybody wins. And so that's the moment we are trying to create, and that's really what we do. We help employees get through the Medicaid process. We determine, we figure out their eligibility. Anyone who's eligible for Medicaid, we let the employer know. So when they have a conversation about, do you want our insurance or do you not want our insurance, it's a very informed conversation. You alluded to the fact, Ben, that, that ACA simplified the enrollment process for Medicaid. That's right. Is that everywhere or is that only certain places? The simplification is everywhere. The expansion is not everywhere. Let me explain a little bit about the simplification. The complication about helping someone get into public benefits was that the government would say, I need to know how much money you make and who, who's in your family and how much money you spend, right? So um, the irony of that is the government would say, please give me your, four la- your pet last four paychecks. Well, the government knows exactly how much money you make. The SSA, which is payroll taxes, and IRS can make a very informed judgment and, in fact, know with a high degree of precision how much money you make. INS and state systems know who's in your family. They keep those records. So all of the data was available. 
but in order to get food stamps or Medicaid or anything else, the government said, bring all this stuff to us. That made the process impossibly slow and incredibly difficult. Also, the systems for this are often quite arcane and they can't keep all these records together. States lose records. This is where all of the sort of fall off is in enrollment. The ACA made that simpler. What the ACA does is I type in my social security number, it pings DHS, and it says, yes, this person exists, yes, they're a citizen, we're good, or they have a green card in five years, it knows. I type in how much money I make, it says, yep, Ben makes this much money based on how much money he made last year and how much money we see on his payroll. So it pulled all that together so that rather than a process where you bring pay stubs and you do all this work, at the end of it, you can just put in your information and, and the government can confirm, yes, this is how much money you make. So it makes it uber fast and real-time speed, actually. And that happened everywhere. However, what the Medicaid expansion program, that thing which is most closely associated with the notion of Obamacare, exists in only 26 states. And so we're clear about Medicaid expansion. It's not the same everywhere, but most states that didn't take expansion only provide Medicaid assistance for people who make less than 100% of poverty. And the truth is you cannot – in most places, you cannot have a full work, full-time job and make less than 100 percent of poverty. You're just not – even at very low wages for very low wage employees, you're going to make above 100 percent of poverty, which means that the expansion component, that is in the states that took expansion, they went from 100 percent of poverty to 138 percent of poverty. That is really working Americans. That really represents those working Americans. And that only exists in 26 states, which, but it represents about 60 percent of Americans. Let's backtrack a little bit because some of our listeners may not be quite as familiar with Medicaid. You've done, obviously, an extensive work in that arena. I've done a little bit in in a previous life. Our listeners might be thinking, well, gee, if if an employer offers a medical plan and they pay 100% of the employee premium, why isn't that a great deal even for the Medicaid folks? And that cohort thinks differently and reacts differently to plans. Can you explain that to our listeners? Yeah, you know, folks who are on Medicaid are barely getting by. And when I say barely getting by, 10 $15, $20 $15, $20 a month is the difference between you know two meals. And so there are studies about this group on the Medicaid side that say if you charge a $25 co- premium copay for a Medicaid recipient, they're likely to stay away from the doctor. So if even where, the, where you get 100% payment for insurance, that employee may never use it if there is a deductible, if there's a, if, if there's a copay, if there's, if there's any kind of cost associated with using medicine, that employee is likely to say no. I think what's also important here is 100% for the individual is not typically the most important element of the equation, right? So Medicaid is very much focused on families. Um, the amount of money you can make as a single person is about $17,000 below that you're eligible for Medicaid in an expansion state. But for a, a, a single parent with one child, it's 22000 And for a single parent with two children, it's 27000 Most of the people we see are people who have children. And so for a worker to say, well, look, I'm paying for all the employees' insurance, it's not enough. What really matters in that equation are the children. And that's what, frankly, when we have discussions with people um, who are enrolling, that's what, that's what those parents are focused on. As you can imagine, moms are worried about their kids having flu shots, being able to go to an emergency room, um, being taken care of in a difficult situation. But yeah, I, I think the other thing to focus on is any kind of payment is prohibitive and will frankly keep this population from using the pieces of this of the healthcare system we want them to use, which are going to see that doctor, getting the flu shot, taking care of things preventatively, not showing up in an emergency room. And now a word from our sponsor, Care One Advocates. A recent survey revealed that brokers spend just 38% of their time selling. 
How much more productive could you be if you had a partner who was always available when clients called your office asking questions about their plan? And what if that partner provided a more in-depth level of service? How is that possible? Care One's Broker Advantage is a coordinated resource for your healthcare clients and their employees. When they have a question, anything from what is a deductible and how does it work or finding the right doctor to complex pharmacy and medical issues, scheduling appointments, and even help with record transfers, Care One answers the call with your agency name and provides all the information with down-home, friendly service. Care One Advocates is committed to helping you to build your brand while increasing the value you bring to your clients. Care One does the work, and you get the credit. To learn more about Care One's range of services and how you can generate a better customer experience, improved outcomes, and spend more time selling, go to our website, shiftshapersonline.com. A few questions about the actual nitty-gritty of the operational side of what you're doing. What size employers does this fit, and, and where does it make the most sense in the marketplace? The employers for whom the value proposition is greatest are large employers, right? If you are required to offer, so you're larger than you know 50 eventually, it's going to be it's 100 this year, but 50 next year. If you have a mandate, it's important to you. If you are bigger than 200 and you're required to auto enroll your employees in the company plan, we have even more value. Imagine a conversation where you auto enroll your employee in the company plan, and you have you don't know whether or not they're on Medicaid. Well, then what are you going to say to them? Are you going to say, geez, I, you know, this is not a very good plan. It's very expensive. Do you want me to take it away? Whereas if you have a conversation with a person on Medicaid, it's you have their, you already have very robust insurance. We've auto-enrolled you. Would you like us to continue to pull money from your paycheck for insurance that is not as good as the Medicaid? That's the conversation you want to have. And, um, you know, auto-enrollment makes that very profound. Now, there are other people for whom this is important. For very small employers, ensuring that you get Medicaid is a valid waiver. So if you have 45 employees and 30 of them are, med- are Medicaid eligible and they might take the Medicaid anyway, um, it's important to go out and enroll those, those 30 employees because that way you're going to meet your enrollment requirements, right? So often an insurance company will say you have to have at least a, half of your employees in unless you have valid waivers for a segment of your population. By taking all that Medicaid population off and getting valid waivers from them, you now have a number of like, you got to get 15 enrolled. If, if eight of them are enrolled, you meet your requirements, you can get insurance. That's a little more abstract, a little bit think, less focused on, but really important for those employers where it matters. Is Benestream a broker-friendly product? Do you guys work with brokers? We work almost exclusively through brokers. We have some direct business that's mostly a referral business, but really, you know, we extensively use the broker sales channel. We work with brokers very, very, from the very, very large to the very, very small. You know, our biggest broker we're working with, I think right now, is Willis. Most folks know them. They're national. They're very large. And the smallest broker we're working with, you know, is, is, is a five-person, nonprofit-focused broker here in New York. So if you're a broker and you're talking, a broker approaches you and Benestream is something they think would fit for some of their book of business, how do you teach them the employer conversation and what is that employer conversation like? How does that go? You know, what we try to say to them is that you are going to go in with, you have to account for an entire population when you go and have this conversation, right? So you come in and you say, look, here's how we're going to manage the executives. Here's how we're going to manage sort of your, your line. And here's what we're going to do on the low end of the spectrum. And by the way, the interesting part of this conversation is that you've never had it for as a broker. Typically, the population we're talking about has very low healthcare uptake. Now, we can talk about the people who make $22,000 a year and say yes to very expensive health insurance. 
that's a very high risk, which is part of the reason you'd rather, as an employer, that it's better if they're not on your self-insured plan. But the broker, the opportunity for them is both to deliver the service, but also to look really smart. Because the broker is going to come in and say, "Listen, I, you know, here's the here's the piece for your very high wage people. Here's the piece for your, everyone else. Here's Benestream. Benestream's a way in which you're going to deliver a win-win for your employees." No one else is talking about it. This is how it works within the ACA. And then we take them through the steps of, of the value proposition, why it's important for the employer to have this benefit, and why, it, and, and, and why it's going to save the employer a lot of money. And once they get that down, they really just need to bring us to the table. We also offer a service that's really important. That service is this. If you bring us the census for that employer, for if everyone makes less than $33,000, what we're going to do is we're going to say – you know, here are 100 employees who make less than 33,000. We can see eight people on this list who are going to be Medicaid eligible. And then 92 are who, you know, who we think might be, and we can kind of rank that. And so when they go to present this to the employer, they can say, look, you're paying $3,000 a month for your health insurance. If these eight people take it, it's going to cost you $24,000. Whereas if we just come in and do this process, it's going to cost you $4,000, right? So they can make a simple value, pro- a value statement right there. Can those employers require or force or choose whichever word you want employees to take Medicaid, to enroll in Medicaid? They can't force them to enroll in Medicaid. And those who are on Medicaid, they can't force not to take the plan. We only work with employers who are offering full coverage. And that means that they've got to be ACA compliant and they've got to follow ERISA. Those two things means that every employee must be offered employer-sponsored insurance. They've got to offer the plan. It also means you can't offer an incentive for someone to take Medicaid. Really, this is about having a conversation and the employee deciding, you know, what's the best way for me to work this out? What's the best thing for me and my family? Now, I think quite typically, as we've talked about, that's going to be Medicaid. In fact, we have seen very rare circumstances where that hasn't been the case. If employers have employees who accept Medicaid, does that put them in any kind of penalty position with it under ACA? If they have employees who accept Medicaid, no. The law is quite clear that an individual who's enrolled in Medicaid, in fact, it's in the comments of the, if you, if you get the CCH, the bound volume of the Affordable Care Act, one of the comments in that is that, of course, it, it, I think it says it in these terms, of course, anyone who's enrolled in Medicaid can decline employer-sponsored insurance. And if you follow the way the law is structured, it's quite clear that this was intentional. You know, the, all of the research that was done prior to the Affordable Care Act's passage focused on the segment that, that, that didn't have insurance. And that was really low-wage Americans. And what people were concerned about, and you can see this in the way the law is structured, is that um, low-income Americans spend an inordinate amount, percentage of their income, on health insurance, right? Upward of 20 to 30% if they pay for that insurance. If you're making $25,000 a year in order to get coverage, you could spend two, three, four, five, six, seven thousand dollars $7,000 a year. That's 20 to 30% of your income. To deal with that, what the law does is two things. One, it expands Medicaid so that working Americans can bring that number to zero. And then for people who go into the exchange, not people in the workplace, but people who go in the exchange, just above that, you only have to pay 2% of your income towards health insurance. And the rest will be paid for by tax credits. The entire law is structured such that low-income Americans, and especially working Americans, aren't going to have to shell out a disproportionate amount of their income to health insurance. Ben, we've got about a minute, minute and a half left, and I'm interested in your view of the future as, as ACA matures and as, as the population changes and, and looks at the law in different ways and as the regs continue to get fleshed out. What do you see in the future, both in your segment and then perhaps speaking more broadly as a student of ACA? I think the first thing I see is Medicaid expansion going to every state. I mean, this is for states that do this well. 
this is essentially an insurance subsidy for low-income workers, and a lot of these people work, right? So, and and frankly, we're seeing that Arkansas, Arizona, and we hear Pennsylvania are likely to go to Medicaid expansion. I also think that one of the really exciting things, if you live in MySpace broadly, which is the sort of new innovative companies in healthcare, is that there are going to be a lot of significant shifts in the way in which insurance companies do business. Right? Insurance companies are much more incented to keep people healthy and the way in which we take care of people generally. And, and I see that in places like telemedicine and you know urgent care facilities. And actually, as those two things come together, as insurance companies begin to use those tools, people are going to be healthier. They're going to use doctors in a different way. right? They're going to have advisors and it's going to be shorter. It's not going to be showing up at your doctor's office and spending an hour there. And I think it's going to get much less expensive, much more efficient, and much more user-friendly and much more consumer-friendly, I, I would say. Ben, thank you so much for spending time with the Shift Shapers audience today. We appreciate learning about what Ben Stream is doing, and we look forward to talking with you as things progress. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. For more information about this episode or about any of our earlier episodes and to learn how to subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode, go to our website, shiftshapersonline.com. While you're on the site, leave a comment and register to be part of the Shapers community. You'll be the first to learn about upcoming specials like exclusive webinars and content you can use to take your business to the next level. Again, thanks for joining us for today's episode. And remember, you have the power to shape the shifts in your business.